And the message is, is entitled, One Person, One Choice. If you take a look at Hebrews 11, it is the roster of what we call heroes of the Scripture, particularly out of, uh, many of them out of the Old Testament. The link that connects all of those individuals together, and if you do a study on each of them, you look at their negative points, you look at their failures, you look at their faults, you'll think, how did you ever wind up in Hebrews chapter 11? And what it says is, uh, hey, there's hope for all of us. Because one day we're going to wind up on the streets of gold, amen, made possible by the love of Jesus Christ. That link is a, what's called a manifested faith. So I want to deal with that for a moment, and uh, here's what it says in Hebrews eleven thirteen. All these, talking about all those, Abraham, you know the story, Rahab, etc. It says all these people were still living by faith when they died. Okay, that's a pretty good sentence. They did not receive the things promised. Okay, they died, but they had not seen the promise. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. When you think about that, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. What, what do we have that encourages our faith? We, we get to go to church. We have a community, a fellowship of believers. We have worship songs. We, we have the story of the cross. Jesus died. We have the story of the resurrection. We have the whole Bible that we can read and look at and be inspired because it's the Word of God. They had none of that. They didn't have a church. They didn't have a radio station. They didn't have a Bible. They had, of course, later in the text, later on, the Ten Commandments. It was, it was ritual. In other words, there was not, it's like they didn't, uh, the Bible says, forsake not the assemblings of yourself. Now on the Lord's day, in the community here, but then it was the ritualistic sacrifice. Now, here's, here's my point in all of that. They had none of the things that most people hang on to and say, boy, I needed that inspiration. I went online and heard that message, and boy, they didn't get that. I opened the Bible, and buddy, it fell open into the book of Re They didn't have any of that. And yet they hung on to their faith, and they were promised what the future would look like, and they believed that, but they died without being able to put their arms around it. So when I, I always read that, I think, God, what if I lived in that time, could I still remain faithful, not having anything in reality to inspire me? They had never seen Jesus perform a miracle like the disciples. Oh, they saw God, Jehovah, work through Moses, of course, but it wasn't like, you know, raising the dead, anything of that nature. But they, didn't, they had none of that. So why is that? Why was that? Well, it was the failure of mankind through the power of sin. They lived their lives and they had a solid faith who God was, Jehovah God, and what he promised. 
They denied the power of evil persuasion. You ever had the devil work on your mind? You ever have the enemy work on your belief system? You ever have the devil tell you that, hey, uh, whatever you're doing is, is a waste of time? They offer their lives as a sacrifice. I mean, willingly, look at the Scripture, read what, what they did so that they would not deny their faith. They said, here I am, take me. Take my life. They faced violent opposition, but they faced it with confidence. It was Daniel who said, hey, there's opposition out there. I'm still going to face God with confidence. Think about that. They didn't retreat from their conviction, the three Hebrew children. They, they didn't retreat. They stood rock solid. You see, and we're admonished to say these guys are examples to us. And, and that we should, in Hebrews 12, throw aside the bondage of sin uh, that we should run with perseverance our race, no one else's race, but run our race. Well, God, where do I get my inspiration from? Through that spirit man that's in us. We all do get weary in well-doing. I, I was reading and listening some testimonies of uh, Tyler Perry today. Tyler Perry was on a talk show. He's, he's a, a very famous uh, producer of uh, film today. A lot of it relates, a lot of points that he drives home in his, in his movies. And uh, he's not a perfect guy, but he said, hey, my mama, my mama gave me a teaching on faith. And when it was hard and I was sleeping in my car and I had nothing to eat, but I had a fire burning to produce movies, to write plays, that creative ability, I always leaned and remembered what my mama said. My mama's God. And then I got a hold of mama's God, and that's what has seen me through. And I still have a hold of mama's God today. He's my Lord and my Savior. And when you realize that, you think, wow, how wonderful is that? It says we ought to fix our eyes on Jesus, which is our Redeemer. Fix our eyes on Jesus and Fox News, all of it together. Fix our eyes on the newspaper, the latest report. I really do believe that you could, you could just deny watching television for a month and turn the news and turn it back on a month later, and I promise you, you're going to hear the same stories a month later that you turned it off. What, what, there's no inspiration there. So what is the purpose of tonight? There was one individual that we want to talk about. His name was Abel. Abel's testimony was important, and it speaks to us even here today. We know that. It was very simple. He offered, here it is, he offered a better sacrifice than his brother Cain. Now, I ask myself the question, God, what's required of me as it relates to a sacrifice? What kind of life are you requiring of me as an individual that say, that's a good sacrifice? What is it? How do I approach that? As a believer, being born again, you and I are privileged beyond imagination. We are privileged far beyond any Old Testament saint has ever been privileged because we have the blood covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what was it that made Abel such a wonderful person that we still speak of him today? And here it is. He had the right what? Attitude. Say it with me. He had the right attitude. How important is that? Somebody asked me today in a conflict situation, Pastor, tell me what I should do. I said, here it is, stay sweet. Stay sweet. That's not what that person wanted to hear. That's not what he wanted for me to say. He wanted me to say, well, I tell you, you have every right 
to just confront and just, wow. I said, no, stay sweet. Because you know what? It's a whole lot harder to stay sweet when you want to retaliate. But staying sweet builds character. Somebody help me now. It builds character when you just hold back a little bit in Jesus' name. By faith he was commanded as a righteous or commended as a righteous man. When God spoke, God spoke well of his offering. Boy, that drilled down on me again. When God spoke well of my offering. Well, here it is. We offer offerings to God every day, every single day. How am I doing with my offering today? We're going to talk about that. It's recorded in Genesis, the fourth chapter. We know that Adam and Eve were his parents. They sinned against God. His older brother's name was Cain, whose name means possession. His name means possession. But Abel's name means, means vanity or breath. Vanity in the Hebrew, vanity or breath. The cloud of Adam and Eve's failure rested heavily on the two boys' head. They knew, hey, they picked up the newspaper and said, boy, two people in the garden had a perfect situation, but they fell. Their names were Adam and Eve. And guess what? Because of that, sin now reigns in the lives of human beings. Cain and Abel, boy, they knew our, our, our mom and our dad fail. For what? They ate of the tree that they shouldn't eat of. They were directly told, don't touch it. And no doubt many times, Adam is the high priest. Do you, know, do you know how wonderful it is when you make a mistake, how you work to get back in good graces? How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's like, you know, it's like women today get flowers or flowers from, from a husband. He knows that he's blown it and he sends flowers. That's yard talk. Lawn talk is flowers. <laughs> you think this is going to get you back in the house? And to get to sit at the head of the table, well, if that won't get it, what's the next thing a man does? He gets, I'm going to whisper it to this side, candy, chocolate. Y'all know what I'm talking about now? We do it. So, so what does Adam do? He, he, he knew that they blew it. God told him. So he's endeavoring, what do I need to do? He was considered the high priest of the family. He offered to God a peace. That's something that God placed in the heart, a peace or forgiveness offering. A peace or forgiveness. I need to do something. In him was created. In his mind, you need to get forgiveness. There's a peace offering. But sin rules. I need to get back in the graces of Jehovah. Etc. So now Cain and Abel are about to offer their first offering. Their first offering. It is monumental. Now I want to pause here. Every day of your life is a brand new day that God says, Bring me your offering for today. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is gone. Your mistakes because of the blood. 
washed into the blood, but today, what kind of offering are you going to give? What are you going to bring to the sacrificial table of your life? No doubt many times he offered those offerings, Cain and Abel. Now it's important because it's a part of history. And the heart of our Heavenly Father has been broken because sin separated the creation of Adam and Eve in that perfect environment, that city, it separated them. How would the children respond to God? How would they respond to God? Abel's offering was accepted because it was offered with the right attitude. The right attitude. Abel saw it as an act of worship and atonement. So our life should be every day an act of worship. An act of worship and, he says, Cain saw it. What was his offering? Cain saw it as a required obligation. And so therein is the flow, often in Christian witness and testimony, that if we're not careful, we lose the beauty of giving ourselves in offering time, talent, gifts, and abilities in the flow of saying, that's what's in my heart, as opposed to what Cain did. It was, that's a required thing that I need to do. I need to do this. I need to do that. He keeps preaching this. I need to do it. And here's what happened. God separated both of them. And he said, your offering with that attitude is rejected. But your offering with the flow of putting yourself and saying, no, that's not what I have to do. That's what I desire to do. In other words, do you say I love you or forgive me from the heart of your emotion or do you say it out of the process of obligation? No, I say it out of the heart of my emotion. The needed atonement, which means this, taking two and becoming one. What that means is this, every time you offer yourself, your attitude, your spirit, your will, every time you offer that to God, here's what happens. You and God, through the Holy Spirit, become one. You one, you walk together, you're in one spirit, one mind, and one accord. And we know that, boy, there's great difficulty when you try to walk away from God and still maintain the guidance of the Spirit. It is reconciliation, the joining of rank. We work together, we believe it. It's taking an offering, taking an offering or a scapegoat and placing the blame on it. Abel spent considerable amount of time in determining what his offering would be and here we have the very first offering offered Cain said okay we got to give an offering let me go out and get some fruit let me get some stuff here and uh, you know the more the merrier let me pile it up here's the offering here it is What kind of sacrifice is it if you have a tree full of apples, if you reach up and get two apples and give it as the offering? What kind of sacrifice is that? Not much. What kind of sacrifice is it if you have a thousand acres of strawberries and you go out and get three pints and turn it in and say, here's the offering? What kind of deal is it if you have 2,000 acres of, of fruit trees and they're all fruit bearing, you say, oh, I'll take that whole tree and give it as an offering. What did that cost you? 
Nothing much compared to what we have received. But Cain decided, you want an offering? Here it is. You see, what attitude do we have when it comes to worship? What attitude do we have? We have to be careful when we offer offerings and gifts and receive offerings and finance and talents. What kind of offering do we have an attitude as it relates to Christian fellowship? I'm in and out as quickly as I can. I don't wait or talk to anybody. What kind of offering is that? Because you see, friend, let me say, it's not about you. Often somebody else needs you more than you need them. But you just don't know who that is. How does the worship as it relates to service for the Lord of the church? What kind of attitude do I have? He says, by his offering to God, given with an attitude of love, not obligation, here's what it says, he was a righteous man, meaning he was a right wise man. Right wise. I mean, when it's spoken of him, he had that right attitude. Number two, he had the right purpose. Purpose. We hear a lot about purpose-driven life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Purpose. Talk about purpose. Hebrews 11.4, it says, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Who's keeping score? God did. Who's keeping the eye on the attitude? God did. Who's keeping an eye on the purpose? God did. A scapegoat in the Old Testament was brought to the high priest. Here's what he would do. He would lay a hand on his head and send him into the wilderness. Now, I want to stop right here. Often in offerings out of the Old Testament, they would offer two goats. One would be a sin offering, goat. The other would be a straight goat. And the priest would put his hands on the head and by virtue of his speech, lay the sins of people and the wrongs on that straight goat and send it out into the wilderness. But we look as a scapegoat as something bad. I was talking with someone today, and they're involved in a business deal. And he said, I, I, I just was a scapegoat in the deal. So I'm going to be talking about that tonight. Can you imagine... The privilege of the scapegoat. Can you imagine what an honor it might be for you to be a scapegoat in some situation? We look at that with disdain. I was a scapegoat. But in the Old Testament, it was the scapegoat that was chosen to bear the responsibility to go to the wilderness. And they believed that the scapegoat carried the wrongs of people. I think Jesus was a symbol of a scapegoat. Innocent. And the sins of the world. He didn't just go to the wilderness. He went to the pit of death. But with him came redemption. So I want to just 
say to you, if you ever feel like you're the scapegoat, don't look at it as a negative. Look at it as, hey, what a privilege it is to carry with me the wrong of others, and I will remain sweet in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, because God keeps a record of the right and the what? Wrong, of the wrong. So Abel's offering, we know that there is something because he selected the best of the best. The best of the best took his time, and here's what he did. He selected the firstborn of the perfect sacrifice. The firstborn, not the secondborn, but the firstborn of the best of the best, symbolically saying several things. Jesus was the lamb of supreme sacrifice. He was the blood offering for atonement, offering oneself. Abel's offering was a sacrifice virtually of his own life. I've got the bet. It's my firstborn. There may not be a secondborn. Here's the firstborn. I'm offering to you, God, the best. Cain's offering was given out of a heart. We, we shared with you of requirement of success, not sacrifice, investment, not total sellout. And I thought, God, how many times in my Christian walk have I not totally sold out on something? How many times in my Christian walk have I sacrificed, you know, one fruit tree out of a thousand acres of good fruit trees god how many times have i passed off something that i i didn't want to do to somebody else because i just didn't want to do it how many times have i done that and we all know that we have but this is the story if our lives <coughs> is an offering every day then everything that happens in our life is meticulously guided by the Holy Spirit. Abel had nothing better to give. It was the highest that he had. It was the only true acceptable offering because he took the life of his first born and put it on the altar does it sound familiar of Abraham offering Isaac symbolically getting closer to father God offered his only son Cain did not sell out he offered what was just enough. But it cost him nothing. Matthew 16, 24. Now we have the takeoff of Jesus' words when he said to his disciples, if you're going to come after me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life, you're going to lose it. And whoever loses it for me, for me, you're going to find it. The offering of that perfect lamb by Abel was given by faith before 
the laws of worship in the Old Testament were ever given to Moses. Finally, he had the right presence. Now, here's a question. You ever been in a restaurant? <clears throat> it's kind of open seating. Have you ever thought, I hope they don't come over here and sit by us? I'm confessing. It's good for the soul. I've done that on airplanes a lot. God, walk on by. Anybody with me? Is that a fair confession? You know? And by virtue of saying, walk on by, I've said, no. That'd be nice if they sat down. We'll, we'll give them the seat. Y'all with me? Am I the only one in here guilty? Presence. <laughs> and by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. How? How do you still speak even though you're dead? What is presence? Presence is that unseen influence of a personality, an attitude, or a spirit of an individual. And you know people right now that's already in heaven, but their presence is still felt in your house, in your church, in your heart. Their presence left a mark. Oh, yeah, that's what they like to eat. We fixed that dish, and I remember that was their faith. It's that presence. Abel was the second child of Adam and Eve. Cain was the firstborn, and he was the favorite son. And when Cain brought his offering, God said, hey, unacceptable. I'm not even going to let you offer it. It is wrong. I do not want it. Was it that God didn't like apples and oranges and all that stuff? No. He looked in the heart. He said, what you've offered me is what you can afford. I'm not looking for what you can afford. I'm looking for what you're willing to give up because of the heritage that you have. Cain became angry and hostile, which then manifested what was really in his heart because he had no peace and relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you see people going off the handle, every time you turn around, look inside, friend. Abel presented his offerings with the right attitude, with the right purpose, and with the right presence. Which means what? A man never stands taller than when he is on his knees. So are you grateful to be in the family? Are you grateful of the abundance of God's grace? Do you find yourself murmuring, complaining about how difficult or what you don't have? Or are you just say, thankful, God, I got a ticket. Hallelujah. On an airplane, the guy sitting up in first class is going to get there the same time the guy in the back row where the toilets are gets there. Everybody understand? As a matter of fact, here's what I know. The, the, the tires land closer to the back and the front hits the ground last. 
So I just want you to pay attention to that. In the presence of absolute trust in an act of faith, he was honoring, Abel was honoring the God that his parents had failed. And he knew that God had cast judgment upon his family for their disobedience and sin. Yet in spite of that, not knowing how he would be received, whose offerings you think went first? Cain's. It wasn't, okay, Cain, you give your offering. Now I'm going to give my offering. Let's see. No, Cain was firstborn. His offering went first. God said, reject. Abel was convinced when he offered the firstborn. His presence. So good to have you here today. So good to see you worship me. It's so good how you offer yourself to me. I love your attitude. I love your spirit. Oh, yeah, in that deal, you were a scapegoat. But like I got to tell you, I deal with the issues. I know you're suffering a little bit. But listen, it's going to make you strong. I love when you're in trouble, you just still raise your hands. And you still praise me. And you still worship me. I want to give you something else. By faith, Abel in his offering still speaks even though he is dead. So the question we conclude with is this. What offering is going to speak for your life and my life in the mouths of those should the Lord tarry and we leave this earth? And then when you get to heaven, What's God going to say about your life's offering? Amen? So what can we do tonight? We're going to spend some time in prayer. We're going to ask God to help us, and we're going to offer ourselves because I believe God answers prayer. I believe that. I was talking to someone the other day about a grandchild who prayed a prayer specifically for his Graham or grandmother, whatever she might be, and said he prayed that prayer. And buddy, just a few hours, a few days later, God opened the door. How wonderful is that? See, we believe God does that. So we're going to pray. Our team is coming. We're going to worship, and we're going to pray for different on the screen or up here. It's going to scroll uh, some of the needs that are there, and then if you need prayer. Uh, some of the leadership is going to be right here. We will anoint you with oil. And then at about another 10 or 15 minutes or less, we're going to worship. And we're just, we're just going to pray now and take our needs to the Lord. How many of you believe that we can offer to God a sacrifice of our time and our prayer so that somebody else can have their need met? Amen? So let's just find a place to pray, everybody, in Jesus' name. Would you do that?
Nothing else could take your place to feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find the way, bring me back to you.
You know, during our prayer time tonight, I was just thinking, we've got big problems in our world. That's undeniable. We look in every direction, and there's challenge after challenge. It's like, God, where do we turn to? What do we do? But in the midst of the big challenges that we face, how many of you are so glad that our God is bigger still? There's nothing God cannot do. There is nothing He cannot do. So in the service tonight, we've been praying about a lot of different things. You've seen it projected there on the screen. You know, I, I don't know who this is for tonight. I'm going to abbreviate it so quickly. But we're going to end this service. We've been talking about the main thing, what, what most matters to the heart of God. And it's that people come. Jesus spilled blood on purpose for people that he created and loved. And I know that for every one of us that is seated in this place tonight, we've got at least one family member, at least, probably many more, but at least one family member, at least one friend, somebody that we've been praying for, that they would come and that they would make Jesus the Savior and the leader of their life. I want to give you just a real quick word of testimony. Some of you have never heard me share this story before. Most of you know that just a little over a year ago, my dad passed away. It was very difficult. You know, I'd been praying for my dad. In fact, uh, not long after I came to Victory Church, I found out uh, quite accidentally that, that uh, Larry Dobbs and my dad went to school together in a big metropolitan area called Moultrie, Georgia. And, and my dad, there for several years, unfortunately, was far from God. And I would pray and I would pray again and again for his salvation. I mean, from the time I was a teenager. Have you ever prayed for a family member, a loved one, and it just seemed that the more that you prayed, the farther they drifted from God? And I had times in my life where I'm like, God, what's up? I had times when I felt defeated and discouraged, like, why, why do I just keep praying these prayers? I won't go into all of the details, but I can tell you I'm so glad that I didn't stop praying. I can remember my cousin just a short while. He called me up, and I'd had conversations with my dad. My cousin, who's a pastor uh, in, the, in the panhandle portion of the state, he said, you know, is it okay? I'm going to be in where your dad lives, and I'd like to go by and talk to him. And I said, you, you go for it. And he said, I want to talk to him and make sure that he's a Christian. And I said, well, you know, this is after years of praying. I said to him, he said he's a Christian but I want you to ask him. Because sometimes, you know, somebody will say something to something, somebody they wouldn't say to their child. And so he left my dad's house and he called me. He said, you know what? Not only did your dad tell me he was a Christian, but he shared with me some of, the, some of his favorite verses and some of the things that God had been doing in his life. And I asked him, are you sure that you're ready for heaven? And he said, I know that I know that I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm glad I didn't give up praying for my dad when I wanted to give up praying. And you don't give up praying for your loved ones. You don't. You're going to feel just like I do. Why do I keep on praying? But you keep on praying because God hears those prayers. Can we stand together tonight? Who's on your heart? For years and years, it was my dad. I don't know who's on your heart, but I know that if God can save my dad, and tonight I can proclaim to you that my dad is in heaven with Jesus, he can save your loved one as well. Can we just lift our hands toward heaven even now? Who's that friend? Who's that family member? Who's that one that you have a strong, strong passion to see them come to Jesus? Would you just lift them up? God, there are so many needs. All of us have loved ones. Even, even tonight, there are family members that come to our mind. Maybe we've been praying for them for years and we see no motion. In fact, if we see any motion, it seems that they're moving in the wrong direction. But God, you love them. You care about them. 
You sent your son Jesus to die for them. You didn't send your son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through you might be saved. Let our family members be saved, God. Let our friends be saved. Lord, we lift them up to you tonight. And we thank you that you heard our prayers. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit will never stop convicting them. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. I love you, everybody. Have an awesome rest of the week. We'll see you back here on Sunday.